This is our last Sunday in this series on uh, Engage, uh, at least for this year. Um, it, it seemed as I've been working on these that God has given me some ideas for continuing this series uh, next year. And so apparently I won't be retiring uh, this year. Uh, the, uh, it's been interesting to me how God has been unfolding some of that. Anyway, this Thursday is Thanksgiving for those of you who have been asleep for the last week or two. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving is, is coming. It's here. It's upon us. So next week we're going to start our Advent series, Embrace Christmas. Uh, some of you noticed there are the Advent journals look like this. They're out in the lobby. I would ask you to pick one up inside uh, the devotions. They're, these are devotionals that are written by all of the pastors who take part in the combined service. Um, right in the front cover, it tells you from Dunphy, Harvester, New Horizons Fellowship, North Manchester, North Point Community Church, Northside Revival Church, Indiana, and the Ridge. Um, we all wrote devotionals for Advent to help you uh, through that. We are, I, I'm going to, this starts tomorrow. The first day on this is tomorrow, Monday, um, November, Monday, November 19th. So uh, I'd encourage you to pick one up on the way out, uh, grab it. And if you read through that, then those are the themes I'm going to be preaching on each week. You'll read about the theme during the week, and then I will address it uh, the following Sunday. This first one, this first week is on, uh, well, it's on embracing enduring hope. Um, and, you know, so as you look at that, and it goes on to embrace lasting peace, contagious joy, everlasting love, uh, the real Christ and uh, transforming change, you know, learning how to embrace those that we will uh, that make them a real part of our life. Pastor Kent and I wrote the uh, devotionals, uh, six of the seven devotionals on embracing uh, transforming change. Uh, so I'd encourage you to grab one of those devotionals on the way out. Uh, before we even get to Advent, though, you know, before we get to Thanksgiving this Wednesday, we have a service of thanks. I'd encourage you to come and be a part of that. It's a great opportunity for us. To just, the service is made up of not of uh, Pastor Kent or myself speaking. The service is made up of, of all of you sharing just the, the things that you're thankful for over the last year in particular. Uh, but certainly it's open to more than that, uh, what God has been doing uh, and how that works out. That's this Wednesday, 7 o'clock uh, here at the church. I encourage you to be a part of that. So today we're going to wrap up some thinking on engaging people on helping them move closer to Jesus. When I talk about engaging people, I wasn't talking about. Now, they may or may not come into a relationship with Christ because you have talked with them at that moment. You know, that moment may not be the time in which they decide that they are going, you know, that, that God makes sense and that they are going to, um, uh, you know, give their life to Christ. And for some, that's really, that's, that's what they do. They just get to that point where they realize this all makes sense. When I um, came into a relationship with Christ, it wasn't a big dramatic thing. I always like to tell, you know, I, I like to tell people it's, you know, back in that, where that burn spot is in, in the pew when the lightning struck me, but that wasn't it at all. What it is is I just got to the place, you know, where I had heard, I had, I, I grew up hearing about God. You know, I mean, I grew up hearing about God. Uh, but then it, it, it got further to that place of where, you know, after Ginny and I were married, uh, my attention was drawn a little bit more to it and started going to, I was telling him our Sunday school class this morning, uh, you know, I had gone to a Bible study that was meeting, you know, every week for eight weeks. I had started going to a, a you know, a church where the gospel was preached and stuff. 
and our pastor, I look over this way because that's where I was sitting. I was sitting, you know, about where Elvin is when uh, uh, when I gave my life to Christ. And um, as I was sitting there and our pastor explained communion and what communion was, I got to that place and I said, hmm, this all makes sense, you know. I, I think I'm going to do that someday. May as well be today. Uh, you know, and I did. So, you know, but when, when we talk about engaging people, you know, and this is, this is what we're talking about. They may not come into that relationship with Christ. But think, how can, you know, how can you be one of those maybe little nudges, one of those little bumps that helps somebody come closer to Christ? You know, they, God has gifted us. God has, has called us. You know, uh, Paul says, you know, he says, I, I planted Apollos water. You know, different roles, different responsibilities, if you will, different gifting, different personalities are going to uh, uh, connect with different people. How can, you know, when we're thinking of engaging, how can you be part of one of those little nudges that helps somebody Come closer to God, understand God just a little bit better. Um, so this message, this last message here, was really inspired by something that uh, Dean Stuckey had said uh, in our, our Sunday school class a few months ago, uh, and it really struck a chord with me. And I, 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 so that's where this comes from. I hope it does with you too. But let's pray. We're going to be uh, looking at our passage then. Father, thank you for your word to us and the way in which you open our eyes the way in which you help us to see i thank you that so many people were willing to give that little nudge to me to help me come closer to you that they were willing to to talk to me to share with me to to, in some regards for some of them it was put up with me uh in in and father you used all that you used all that together in a way to help me see uh, that not only does to, to you make sense, but you are God. You are God of all creation. You are God who loves me. You are the God who went to the cross and gave your life for me. And I could have the honor, the privilege of having a relationship with you. Thank you for all of those folks uh, that had a part in that. And Father, all of us are here because some way or other we were nudged too. Uh, maybe we have a relationship with you and we can think back on some of those people who nudged us a little bit here and a little bit there and helped us to come to that place where we realize that you are God and we have the privilege of having a relationship with you. Or maybe there's some here who are still searching or are still wondering or are still looking. Speak to all of us, Lord. Speak to our hearts. You know the needs. You know the distractions. So I pray now that you would uh, meet those needs and deal with those distractions, that we would focus on your word, focus on your love, focus on your grace, focus on you. I hope that to be true as we look into your word with the words that you've uh, given me to share, Father. May they draw people to your heart and to your truth, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5 once again. I looked at the first part of this a couple of weeks ago. We're really jumping to the end of it. It's on page 947 in the Pew Bible, if that's what you're using. Uh, Two weeks ago, we looked at these first 11 verses as Jesus engaged some fishermen that he had met earlier. When we see, when we read through it in Luke's accounting, and we get to the end, the, the end of that encounter, and he says, "You know, come follow me." And it says, "Yeah, they left everything, tossed our stuff, and followed him." And we go, "Wow, that's something." They had an earlier encounter with him. John kind of gives us some of the pictures of that in the Gospel of John, uh, but here, you know, that he's he was talking with them in the beginning, and through this miraculous catch of fish, they responded to Jesus' invitation to follow him, to come and be a disciple of his. Now, when we're talking about a disciple, we're talking about a learner. 
uh, as someone who learns, that's, that's really what a disciple is, a learner. It is, you know, it's someone that is in a sincere and growing relationship with Christ. That's what I'm talking about when I refer to disciples, someone with a sincere and growing relationship with Christ. This is the same relationship he calls us into today. It is not just when he was walking this earth. It's not just when he was talking with those we refer to as his disciples, because today we can still be his disciples. This is what he calls us to, to be a learner, to be one in a growing relationship with him. Now, I I will say that uh, if that's not the type of relationship you have with Jesus, then you may not have the salvation you think you have. You need to understand that. If you do not have, you know, a, a sincere, growing relationship with Jesus, if it's just, you know, some thoughts that you have, if you don't have this sincere, growing relationship, you may not have the relationship you think you have. Uh, the epistle of First John is very clear about that. Very clear. He says, he says, you know, uh, just so you know, it's a paraphrase. He says, dudes, if you claim to have this relationship with Christ, and yet you're, it's not showing in your life, Here's the quote. You lie and the truth is not in you. It has to affect our life. There has to be this sincere growing relationship. But the verses here immediately preceding the passage that we're going to, we're going to look at, we're going to look at verses 27 to 32. Um, where were we? I didn't put that in there. Well, you just have to take my word for it then. Oh, no, it was before this. There it is. 27 to 33. Uh, and those are the verses we're going to look at, you know, as, as we're looking at this. And in the verses immediately preceding the passage, you know, that we're looking at here, uh, Jesus, uh, it tells us about Jesus healing a man who was bedridden. We didn't look at those verses. We're not going to today. Jesus told a man his sins were forgiven. Now, many of the Pharisees who were present, it says a lot of Pharisees were present. And as they were there, they, they got a little bent out of shape that Jesus would tell this man his sins were forgiven. Now, recall, you know, this was part of their responsibility, not to get bent out of shape, but to to investigate those who claimed to be the Messiah, who claimed to be God. And so they were all there. And he says, you know, this this guy, your sins are forgiven. They get a little bent out of shape and say, who in the world, you know, who, who do you think you are? Uh, only God can forgive sins. Jesus says to them, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. Now, some, not all sickness is, is, uh, because of, directly because of sin. Uh, you know, to say that somebody today, you know, that you have cancer because you sinned, that, that's, that's, uh, that's not the only way, you know, that you get cancer. We had a friend in Riverdale who, um, uh, thought that, um, because of some of the sins in her past life that that's why she got cancer. Uh, Lori was her name. And I remember talking with her about this. And uh, she said, Pastor, it's because, you know, she had had an abortion in her past. And she says, it's it's because of that. You know, God, I said, Lori, you know, that's not, we live in a fallen world. You know, we live in a fallen world. You would not have, you would have been hard-pressed to find a more godly young woman than Lori. Um, I mean, Jesus just radiated out of her, uh, you know, and the joy of Christ just radiated out of her. 
Uh, so don't don't fall into that trap of thinking that God is punishing you because of something you did. When you come to him for forgiveness, you know what he does? He forgives you. He forgives you. Not like the world forgives, you know. He does. I've talked to people and they say, "Well, I'm going to forgive him," you know. But after I, you know, after he does it, then you haven't forgiven him. What you're trying to do is make him earn it. God doesn't do that because we can't earn forgiveness. He freely gives forgiveness, you know. And we need to know that. We need to understand that. We need to. We need to live in the reality of that forgiveness. Uh, you know, that, that, that he gives us. So anyway, Jesus says, you know, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or, or to say, get up and walk. So then Jesus heals this man, much to the amazement of the crowd. And, you know, and it says that they're, you know, they're pretty impressed by all of this. Uh, and the Pharisees very correct, very correctly saw that forgiveness of sins and forgiving sins was only something God could do. And they were very correct in that. But they were incorrect because they didn't realize that Jesus was God himself uh, coming, you know, uh, coming in the flesh as man. Verse 27, that brings us up to verse 27. It says, after this, after that incident of healing, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. Then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Now there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were guests with them, but the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink? with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus replied to them, The healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick do. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then they said to him, John's disciples fast often and say prayers, and those of the Pharisees do the same. But yours eat and drink. Now we're going to stop there. And that troubles some of you because it's in the middle of a paragraph. It'll be okay. It really will. It'll be okay. Uh, you know, the, 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 here we have a, a picture of Levi, and Levi is simply doing his job. He's collecting taxes. Now, he was, that was looked down upon. You know, he, was, he was doing his job. It was looked down upon by the people, particularly the Jews, because they saw tax collectors, they saw tax collectors as helping the enemy. And if they were Jewish tax collectors, they saw them as traitors. Because the tax collector was simply a reminder to them that they were a conquered people. It was a reminder to them that they were an oppressed people. It was a reminder to them that they did not have the freedom that they felt they should have as, as being God's chosen people. And so they hated these tax collectors. Tax collectors were banned from the synagogue. They were banned from the temple. They were not allowed in the temple. They were not allowed in the synagogue. They were not allowed to participate in religious life. They were tossed. They were ostracized. They were kicked out. This is how they looked. This is how they looked at tax collectors. They weren't even worthy to come in. They were sinners so bad that they shouldn't even be allowed within the fellowship of the people. I hope we never get to the place of thinking that way. But notice here, Jesus initiates the encounter here with Levi. Levi doesn't come to him. Jesus goes to Levi. He initiates this encounter with him. Now, the Pharisees, the Pharisees, they were seeking to quarantine sinners and avoid them. 
They were seeking to keep themselves separate from the sinners. They didn't want to have anything to do with the sinners. Jesus, on the other hand, he was seeking to recover the sinners by going to them. He wasn't trying to avoid them. He was going to them. As I was looking at this and I was thinking about that, it's just a, a reminder to me that we need to be proactive in reaching out to those who don't know Jesus. Take the initiative. Take the initiative. They may never bring it up. Levi was sitting there doing his job. Doing his job. You know, what's those little nudges? I remember our pastor. I don't know why this sticks out to me, but it has for a long time. Our, our, the pastor I had, you know, before I was a pastor, uh, Pastor Stan Lemon, he was the guy who gave the invitation when I, when I said, hey, that all makes sense. And, you know, I'll do that one day. It may as well be today. He was telling, he was sharing with us one time in one of his sermons that, uh, he had gone to a Subway sandwich shop and as he was ordering his sandwich, you know, and you wait in line there while they make the sandwich and everything in front of you. And the, the worker who was there did something happen. And, and this person said, Oh, Jesus Christ. And he said, Oh, you know him too. <laughs> I thought, how clever. I like, I like that. So I've been waiting. I've been waiting 45 years for this to happen to me. And I'm sick of Subway. No. Hey, uh, I thought, what a, what, a, what a great opportunity. You know, and he just brings it. And I think to myself now, was that maybe one of those little nudges? For this person. You know, that, that, that opportunity for them here, you know, and, and, you know, we need to be proactive. We need to go to them. You know, we need, we need to take that initiative. Now, the invitation that he gives to Levi to come and follow him, that would have been a very unexpected invitation. Because it would be very unexpected that Jesus would want to be associated with a man who many considered a scoundrel. Or worse. You know, and, and it, it's, it would be very unusual that Jesus would want to be associated with this man at all. You know, and it was also, you know, being a tax collector, it was a very lucrative position. It was what we would say is a good job. Because we look at good jobs by how much money we make. Don't we? I mean, when we talk about a good job, what we mean is you get paid well. Good job may stay. Think I was going to use a different word, but we won't. You know, we we look at a job, we say, well, that's a good job. You make a lot of money. That's what we're saying, you know. That, that's our euphemism. Uh, Levi had a good job. It was very lucrative. He made a lot of money. People hated him, but he made a lot of money. He was banned from the temple, but he made a lot of money. He, you know, he, he, wouldn't, he couldn't even go into synagogue, but he made a lot of money. He said, so why in the world would he, why in the world would he, this was a very unexpected invitation. And and what do you see in a person when you look at them? When When you look at someone, what, there's reasons we don't engage people. And one of them is sometimes we don't engage people because we don't want to associate with them. We find them too dirty or too vile. Or just flat out too different from us. Maybe because of their reputation or their perceived reputation. Or maybe because of how we think it might make us look. I told you before about a friend of ours that we have. that She was a prostitute before she came into a relationship with Christ. And I'm not talking about a 
you know, just a, a loose woman. I'm talking about a, a woman who made her living, who earned her living uh, by being a prostitute, by selling herself, you know, to men. And this is this is what she did. Now, if no one would have engaged her with the reality of life in Christ, what would happen? What if a Christian didn't want to be seen talking to her? How will prostitutes, drug dealers, drug abusers, alcoholics, abusers, angry people, jerky people, smelly people, challenged people, how will they, these people come to know Christ if we don't engage them? If we aren't willing to engage them, how will they ever come to know Christ? What do you see when you look at a person? Is what you see the reasons not to engage them? Sometimes we just don't engage people because we don't want to associate with them. And sometimes we don't engage people because we anticipate a negative response. So we think, why bother? Why should I talk to them? Because they're not going to do... What we are doing there is we are answering for them. We're not, giving them. we're not giving them the opportunity to answer for themselves. We're not giving them the opportunity to come into a relationship with Christ because we don't even ask them because we've already answered for them and we think that it's going to be a negative answer. Maybe we've talked to them before and they've always given us a negative answer. Maybe you know we've talked to them and we give them a negative answer so we don't bring up Jesus to them again. I remember a story. We had to, when I went, to, I went to Moody Bible Institute, when you go to Moody Bible Institute, one of the things you do there is you read the life of D.L. Moody. It's a good story. Pick it up. There's, there's different volumes, thin ones, bigger ones than I ever wanted to read. But at any rate, you know, one of the stories that in the, in the version that I had to read for school, it talked about uh, Moody used to invite this, this one fellow to church all the time. One of the things that uh, Moody did in his life is he always wanted to talk to at least one person a day about Christ. And if he was, you know, there's stories in there about he was going to bed, you know, and he remembered, oh, he didn't talk to anybody about Jesus, got up, went outside and talked to somebody about Jesus. And so anyway, he invited this one fellow, you know, to come to, to church over and over and over again. And the guy never did. And one of his, one of Moody's friends said to Moody, Moody, why do you keep talking to this guy? Why do you keep asking him? You know, he always says no. And Moody says, because he didn't say yes yet. Sometimes we don't, we, we don't talk to people because we anticipate a negative response. We've talked to them before. We know they're going to say no, so I won't even bring up Jesus again. Levi here gives a very unexpected response. Levi, who had been rejected by the Pharisees, who had been rejected by the the life in the temple who had been rejected and banned from the synagogue who was then also cut off really from from social life with any of the other uh, jews there levi was approached and gives a very unexpected response it was a radical response really notice what it says it says he left everything and joined in following jesus this is a picture it's a radical response it's a picture of him breaking with his old life it made no economical sense for him at all why in the world would he would he leave that job i remember when when I left my welding job and and uh, went to school with Moody, you know, I, I had been a welder millwright, you know, for a number of years. I was married. We had two kids, and you know, all the bills that go along with life and all those other things. And so I left that job. And and um, you know, some people some people thought I was a little nuts. In fact, I didn't find out until years later, uh, like within the last uh, ten years, it was uh, one of Jenny's uncles, uh, Uncle Ray. He was a, he was a great guy. Um, but he was 
he and his son, we used to go down to their house every Thanksgiving. It was my favorite holiday. We'd go down to their house for a four-day weekend, uh, celebrate Granny McKinley's birthday. Granny the Great, we call her. That was Ginny's great-grandmother. And we'd celebrate her birthday and stay at, at uh, Aunt Polly and Uncle Ray's house. And when I was leaving that, uh, my welding job to go um, to Moody, um, it came up as a subject of discussion at their home. I found out later from their son. And he told me, yeah, my dad used to say, what in the world's he doing? Why is he leaving that good job, you know, to do, to do that? Um, you know, sometimes a relationship with Christ sometimes doesn't seem to make sense. Here, Levi is called, you know, and it made no economical sense for, for Levi to do that. It made no organizational sense for Jesus. Why in the world would Jesus want a person like Levi in his group? Why would he want him there? You see, we sometimes don't engage people because we think that these people won't be acceptable to the people I want to accept me. It's a selfish silence that we embrace. We let what we think others will think of us because of them, because of this person we're talking to, keep us silent. There's a radical change here in Levi, and he becomes a follower of Jesus, a disciple, a learner. Now, he would not have come to that place, you know, of being into a relationship with Jesus had he not been asked. He never would have. Surveys have, you know, surveys have indicated, you know, that over 80% of people surveyed said they would come to church if somebody simply would ask them. I looked up some of these surveys this week because I thought, yeah, I wonder if that's still true. And I looked it up, and one of the surveys I found showed that 96% of the respondents, 96% of the respondents said they would attend a church service or a church event if somebody simply asked them. And I'm looking at these numbers and I thought, it's staggering. One of the most effective ways that you can engage people is to simply ask them to come to church or a church event with you. Simply ask. Invite them. You know, invite them to come. One of the things I'm going to do for you, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks, because it's a little too early yet... I'm going to print up invitations that you can give out to people to invite them to come to the Christmas Eve service. A, a, a great, a, why? Because you know what? A lot of people go to church, what day? They go to celebrate Christmas and that's it. Christmas, maybe Easter. You know, when, when I was growing up, we went and uh, we called them duty days because my aunt always used to come and, and ask us, did you do your Christmas duty? And she wasn't talking about potty training. You know, she meant, did you go to church? Did you do your Easter duty? Yeah, we got that, didn't we, John? We'd get, we'd get asked that question. And see, and some people are, what are they? They're very open to going to church on those days. And we're gonna, I'm going to print up some invitations so you can ask them. So Jesus here, he takes the initiative. He engages Levi. He invites him to come and follow him. And Levi jumped at the chance. He jumped at the chance because he was asked. Jesus engaged Levi. Look at verse 29. It says, then what happens? Levi throws his party. What's happening there is Levi is now engaging those he knew. It says he invited other what? Tax collectors. He invited his co-workers. 
He invited those who would bother to talk to him. He invited the other scoundrels. He invited the other outcasts. He invited those who really needed to know Jesus. Levi didn't hide his relationship with Jesus. He celebrated it. He celebrated it because there was a real change in him. And, you know, as I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, you know, engaging someone, you know, one life, it has that natural ripple effect as they tell others about Jesus as well. I was talking with a guy this week. I was interacting with a guy this week, and um, he's just facing some, he's, he's just facing some really tough stuff right now. And as he's going through that, and we've been interacting back and forth over over days. I mean, and and um, one of the things he said to me, he said, "You know, I've gone to church for years. I've gone to church all my life. Uh, I think was the phrase he used. And and you know, I grew up with this and all. That. And I would have told you I was a Christian. He said I did not have a relationship with Christ. And I think that's the word he used." And he said, you know, and I've come to that place where I realized, you know, where I realized I need, I need this relationship with, with Christ, you know, and stuff. And, and <laughs> what well, was very interesting because I had noticed over, over the last few days before he told me this, that his posts on Facebook had radically changed. Talking about God, talking about Jesus, talking about what God's been doing in his life talking about the way that he has you know that he hadn't seen before and now he is because you know what when when somebody when somebody comes to christ and and they really are you know they 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 begin that relationship and they begin to touch people that you will never know this person i don't know how many friends he has on facebook and probably more than me because that's not hard um you know and you know and, and you know he's touching people i will never even meet I will never even see. Now, the Pharisees and the scribes here, they, they had a problem with Jesus engaging so many sinners, you know, so many of the people that they were so careful to avoid. You know, they were so careful to avoid these, and here's Jesus interacting with these people. And so they had a problem with that, and they questioned Jesus' disciples about engaging, about interacting with these people. And, you know, some people are going to judge your actions. You know, they're going, to, they're going to judge your actions by their own misunderstandings. They're going to judge your actions by their prejudices. They are going to judge your actions by their own preconceived opinions. You will be misunderstood at times. You will be misunderstood at times. But don't let that stop you from engaging people with the reality of Jesus Christ and who he is. Don't let someone else's misunderstanding stop you from engaging people who need to know jesus who need to know more about him who need to know the reality of who he is the pharisees asked jesus disciples here while he's why he's talking with these people that they saw as unworthy you know why is your master doing it why in the world is he would he ever talk with these i found it interesting jesus is the one who answers the question they ask the disciples jesus gives the answer verse 31 he says the healthy don't need a doctor but the sick do the sick do. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, those that we sometimes see as less desirable, those we sometimes see as less worthy, they are really the ones with an obvious need for Jesus. They are the ones that really have a more obvious need for forgiveness of Christ. If we're going to engage people, we need to change the way we look at people. What do you see when you look at people? When the Pharisees looked at Levi, 
They saw a sinner. When Jesus looked at Levi, he saw a disciple. That's what Dean pointed out in that Sunday school class several months ago that, that prompted this sermon. What they saw here is, you know, the Pharisees saw a sinner. Jesus saw a disciple. What do you see when you look at people? What is it that you see when you look at them? What you see may, may, may make you want to keep quiet, but don't. What you see are the reasons that you should really engage them with the reality of new life in Christ. We've been looking at our need to engage people for several weeks now, and I want you to hear from some of our church family who have been engaging people. I want you to hear from some of them who have uh, done that. Paula, where are you? There you are. Come on up here, Paula. I want you to come and... and uh... Tony, they'll use this, uh, the uh, center mic here. And um... Some of you know Paula Ulrey. Some of you don't. This is Paula Ulrey. And uh, come on up, Paula. And uh, One of the things I want you to know about Paula is... She's an introvert. You know, she loves you, but um, not talking to you is okay. You see, it's, 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 uh, introverts, it, it's, it's, a, it's a little different for them. Paula, you have one of the things, one of the reasons I, I asked you to share. Um, sometimes when you're in line at the grocery store, um, you have engaged people uh why uh well i don't really know (laughs) (laughs) i mean it just um i i don't do that a lot i guess (laughs) but um when i do it it may be because i just think maybe it'd be nice to talk to them to say hello or something Mm-hmm. How does it tell us how you know some of those conversations have developed, or in how they how they started? What prompted you? Just you know, just tell us a little bit of how how that came about. Um, well, I'll tell you uh, one story that didn't turn out well at all, and that was uh, a woman was walking through the grocery store, and her husband. I presume it was her husband was with her and he was cursing at her and carrying on and um, I think I, I decided later that he had Alzheimer's or something mm-hmm. on that order and um, I gave her my card I had a little card with my phone number on it and I wrote on it if you need a friend you can call me mm-hmm. and uh, so she thanked me for that but uh, I never heard from her and uh, so but again we don't know you know what's one of those little nudges some have been from people who have no idea they've nudged me yeah you know (laughs) and then Uh, the other one was uh, I was going through the grocery line and it was Christmas time and I asked a lady at the counter what she was doing for Christmas and she said well, it's just going to be me and the cat. 
And uh, so I invited her to come to our house for Christmas dinner. But she didn't come. But then we established a relationship and later on we had a lot of uh, interaction with her. And she's been here to church, in fact. But now she's living in uh, Wabash County and I don't see her much anymore. I mean, I haven't seen her for a long time. And the person said no at first, and Paula didn't stop. Um, you know, invited invited her over for Christmas dinner. How's that for a challenge for you? Uh, but still, as he said, opened up other doors, you know, still being able to contact her and, and, and talk with her. And I know you've interacted with some of your neighbors and, and some in your neighborhood. Um, uh, yes. Um, one girl... And her boyfriend, they have two children, mm -hmm. and now they're separated. But um, I did invite them to church and talk to her a little. Usually I just talk in friendliness. I don't always mention, I mean, I don't hardly ever mention Jesus unless I'm doing something mm -hmm. um, that I know this is the purpose. and mm -hmm. We always think that we have to go in there, you know, with our Bible and say, let me tell you, friend, you know, and, uh, you know, but interacting, touching, reaching those people. You mentioned this one neighbor. It reminds me of one, of some of the neighbors we had at church one time, and they, um, these three kids, and they were coming to Lambert. Some of you remember them. And the Lamberts were coming for a while uh, and came to, they, they came to, started with vacation Bible school. And then they came and they started coming to Sunday school and they started coming to children's church and things. And um, then uh, their father uh, broke up with their girlfriend who was the one who lived here and they were gone. So Kent and I were heading to a meeting in uh, one day and I stopped at the Wendy's. Um, downtown and I'm standing there at the counter and you know looking to see what I wanted on my baked potato or whatever it was and uh, I know ordered and this girl in front of me said do you remember me I hate that question I hate that question she was this big and now she was this big do you remember me and I said no I said I'm sorry I really don't she said I'm Kara Lambert that little girl that was coming. Uh, we never know when God's going to hook us, hook us back up on there. Paula, anything else you want to say about engaging people? Uh, yes. Um, I want to say a few other things, if, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, one of the things that I want to say is about my brother. Um, I... I talk to my brother fairly frequently, and I feel like my brother doesn't really know the Lord. He's a doctor. He's a good man. But he doesn't really know the Lord, I, I think. And so we talk a lot, and he tries to engage me in politics and so we can fight about it and stuff. <laughs> but one time I told him um, something, and I said, well, I was away from the Lord then. And he said... You were away from the Lord? He said, I didn't know you were ever away from the Lord. Mm. And I thought, you know, my brother didn't know I was ever away from the Lord. Surely he knew. But to him, he didn't know, I guess. And 
And uh, so sometimes our confessions might be more important than our... Yeah. Um, but then I wanted to tell you that um, when we went to Taiwan, my we had, when we lived in South Carolina, um, a boy who lived with us, and he studied English while he lived with us. And he invited us to go to Taiwan to see him. And he also... Um, told us he'd pay for us to go to our friends in the region. So we ended up going to Taiwan. Now, did you catch that? They engaged somebody when they were in North Carolina, South Carolina? South, South Carolina. Carolina. They engaged somebody there who then returned to Taiwan and invited them over and paid for them to come. See, you should engage people. <laughs> but, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I just want to make sure they caught that there. And so uh, we went, and we before we left, we got some tracks, and we got tracks for in Japan, Japanese, Chinese, and Korean. And uh, I was passing them out at the airport in uh, Taipei, and uh, some people would take them. You know, I would offer them, and they would take them, and some people wouldn't take them, and. Uh, so as I went around, then all of a sudden a man who had refused one called me back. And he had his phone out, and he said, I want to show you this. And he showed me a picture of a Bible lying beside um, a bed in a hotel in China. And he said, um, I never thought I'd see it, but there was a Bible beside the bed in this hotel I stayed at. And then he said he would take the tract. And then another woman came up who had refused one and said she would like one too. And so that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, Paula engages people not because, not because it's comfortable for her, because it's not. Not because it fits with her, you know, her, her motivation, because, you know, that doesn't, that isn't what gives her, gives her juice, you know. Uh, but yet she sees the importance of it. Uh, I, I wanted you to hear from her. Thanks, Paula. Thanks for, for sharing. I want you to hear from one more. Pete, come on up, buddy. Uh, Pete Switzer is one of our um, young men, and he is um, in eighth grade now, right? And um, here in, uh, in Fort Wayne, goes to school. Uh, and um, you've... Mr. Paul, I wanted to be a bit in the nursery right now. Oh, Okay. He can hear, I think. Oh. Uh, he said that Mr. Klein wanted to be here, but he's in the nursery. So um, make sure the speaker's not in the nursery. Uh, anyway, uh, Mr. Klein is one, was one of his teachers, uh, you know, which is a neat thing. So Pete has, uh, uh, but Pete's in, in eighth grade, and he has, uh, he is uh, somebody who engages people. Um, and so, tell us about a couple of the ways that you have, um, tell us about a couple of ways you've been able to okay. do that. Okay, so my first time, it was last year, it was toward the end of the year, and we were doing this thing in social studies, which is what Mr. Klein teaches, and we had these bags. They were like about geography, and they had questions and answers. 
and one of them was about religion. It was about like the religions of different parts of the world, <clears throat> and it was about Islam. And the kid who sat next to me was a Muslim, and um, so he talked to, like the girl over here. She's like, "Oh, you're a Muslim," so they talked about uh, what they believe. So then it was my turn, so I told her. And then the days after that, she would come and sit by me, and we'd have these conversations about it until eventually she did become a Christian toward the end of the year. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Okay, so you and I were talking, and uh, this Pete and I meet. Uh, we get together once a week, actually, and, and talk, and it's it's exciting. One of the first things we always do is I say to him, "How's school?" And we talk about what happened and what went on. You found something at the dollar store that you've been using. Yes, they do sell Bibles at the Dollar Tree next to West State Croakers. And what are you doing with them? I give them to people who ask, and I just like write a little note there, the plan of salvation, and then anything else that you think they need, and you give it to them. Uh, how, yeah, how, how, how cool is that? Um, you were talking about, you know, at school, too. Um, so, you know, being able to talk to the students, you know, can be, uh, you know, sometimes can be intimidating and stuff. But you don't just stop with the students, do you? No. Um, tell us about, tell, tell them about your uh, conversation with one of your teachers. Okay. So my Spanish teacher is catholic and if you didn't know i told some people but i almost became catholic before before i found jesus and then that was a little bit after i started coming to church more so i talked to her i wrote down some bible verses and i asked her to read them and she did then we started eating lunch together some only on delay days because we have different lunch periods so i do think she's a christian and she will be coming to church some sometime in the winter here so you will get to meet her if you want yeah, God has given him opportunities. Um, how how does it go with interacting with with your friends? Um, well, let's start with your just your classmates in general. How is it with just your classmates? Okay, sometimes that's difficult, and it's kind of a weird conversation starter. But we were doing a project on a country in English class, so I did the Netherlands, and the Netherlands is a country of. It kind of like during the Reformation, it was kind of one of those countries that was, you could call it a battleground, and they have like the split between Protestant and Catholic there. So I did get to give the gospel in that conversation because I was able to explain the religion of the Netherlands. When he says in that conversation, he means in that presentation that he gave to the class, he was able to give the gospel, uh, you know, as he interacted with them. So some of your friends, too, you, you have opportunity with some of your friends that, that don't know Jesus yet. How do you... Yes. How do you engage them? Well, I usually just tell the people who I sit next to in a class. And um, just one thing you really notice when you tell people is that the people who seem like they would never listen to one word about it are the people who pay attention the most. And the people who seem like they would talk about it like all the time and listen to it are the people who just ignore it and like try to get you not to talk about it at all. Yeah. The, uh, uh, so a little intimidating is it sometimes? Oh, yeah. But you do it anyway. How come? Well, in uh, the last chapter of Matthew, Jesus said, go and tell everyone. And he said he would be with you. And when you think about, you know, hell and heaven, then if anyone, if everyone's going to hell, but they could go to heaven, then that's kind of motivates you to tell them. And if you ever read the last chapter of Matthew? No, oh, I brought it up so I, I could read it. No, there you go. Do it. <laughs> do it. Do it, buddy.
Okay, I'm reading from my King James Bible. So Jesus said, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. Huh? How about it? Uh, what's one of the things you've been talking with me about doing that you want to do? Oh, I want to be a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> Is anybody surprised? <laughs> and and, and uh, something else you want to do kind of in, in the neighborhood or in the, in the area you were talking about? Oh, yes. Um, I talked to Mr. Klein and Pete and John about this. Just get a group of people and go like to the mall or something. And that's, you know, you give the public talking to people about Jesus. We're going to get thrown out of the mall, but won't it be? <laughs> I, they won't let you do that. But, you know, we can get started anyway. Won't it be a cool thing? But uh, anything else you want to say about engaging people? Mm, no, not really, but I do want to say that it is very intimidating the first time. But once you start, it is hard to stop, and you will get used to it if you continue. Yeah, I, and I love that. He said the people that, you, you know, you think wouldn't listen are the most likely to listen. Um, engage people. Tell them about Jesus. You know, Paula shared with you how she's doing it, and Pete sharing with you about how he's doing it, um, and you can do it too. What a neat thing. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. God is good, isn't he? And all the time, even when we're terrified. Stand for the benediction, if you will.